Hi everyone. Welcome to the lost generation outside of the mainstream. My name is William Hooker. I am a musician, poet, and part of this generation of artists. My goal with this podcast, which is being broadcast on its own YouTube channel and my website, williamhooker.com, is to introduce you to many of the musical artists that are outside of the mainstream and have made important artistic contributions to our culture. I have also interviewed producers of the music and many fans and supporters of this work. My guests are sharing what makes this art form unique and significant. I hope these conversations will inspire you to listen to the music, which may change you in the way you view music, which again is outside of the mainstream. This is part one of the interview we did with Newman Taylor Baker, drummer and band leader. This is The Lost Generation Outside of the Mainstream. This is a story that needs to be told. Needs to be told. Today I'm interviewing Newman Taylor Baker. He's a drummer, a teaching artist, and a composer. Um, would you tell me something briefly about yourself? Okay. Um, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, man. It's, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. Really. Um, well, I was born on a college campus, Virginia State College at that time, in Petersburg, Virginia. Um, my father was head of the chemistry department. My mother taught English. And they told me that when I was nine months old, they knew I was going to be a drummer. So I don't know life without having a drum. It took me a year to convince my father that I really was serious about wanting a drum. So I got one Christmas before I turned two. But it was a toy and it didn't last long. Yeah. And uh-huh. then uh, when that broke, the band director of the college gave my father a practice pad. Yes. So I took the practice pad. And I played the practice pad, and I took lids from the pots and pans for symbols, and I used to play with records. I had my own little record player, and I used to play. Um, there's a children's thing about the little Willie, the leader of the band. Mm-hmm. It started out with the snare drum, and then as he marched down, other instruments joined and then they had the whole band and then it went back out. That was one I did. That was but, fun, yes. But I also played Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture because they had a snare drum solo in that. I played with um, the 4th and 5th Sixth Symphony of Tchaikovsky, I like that. Um, I played with Donna Washington because my mother liked Donna Washington so she had um, albums that had um, Charlie Parker and Diz and Max they were playing yes um, and this was dance music yeah yeah right, right people right. danced to this and that so I did that um, I didn't have any R&B records but on the campus the college students had R&B so I heard that 
So I, I kind of grew up with jazz, R&B, classical music. And for me, I, always, I knew when I was five years old yeah. that I wanted to be a drummer, a drum set drummer. Wow. Uh-huh. Billy Taylor was a graduate of Virginia State. Yes. And he had come back to give a concert. And I must have been about four years old. I remember walking into the auditorium in the afternoon before the thing and seeing his drums set up. I don't know who the drummer was, but he had this white set of drums. And I remember looking up there and saying, that's what I want to do. That's the first awareness that I remember that that's what I wanted to do. I knew that then. Uh And um, so I was given opportunity to start music. It was from a classical point of view in one way yeah. because I had the faculty of the campus or the college the music department as family friends yeah. uh, I started playing at five I was they let me play in the child the children's band yes um, which the band uh, Dr. F. Nathaniel Gatlin he started uh, a children's band for the elementary school age kids with staff and faculty okay and on the, on the campus. Yeah. So I, that's when I first started, and that was my first road gig. <laughs> the, he took the, the children's van to Williamsburg, Virginia, to play a concert wow, at wow. a school there. And that was the first time I'd been away from my parents all by myself. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But I was playing the drums. And the drums you played the snare or the bass? Snare drum. Snare drum, okay. Snare drum. I'm with you. Once I got a snare drum... Maybe it was uh, maybe when it was three. It took a while before they really gave me a real drum, but uh, but I got a real snare drum. Yes, about thirteen wooden wire, um, silk wire wound silk snares, and that pair of heads. And I uh-huh. I remember the first time I learned to to uh, I don't know if I was four. I think I was four. My father and I changed the head. The band director, Dr. Gatlin, giving us a calfskin head. We had to hoop with the thing, so we soaked it in the bathtub. Wow, and see? And I remember taking it out, and we used the back of a spoon to tuck, the, tuck it in. Now, you know a lot of people, they don't understand this. I'm glad we're talking. Not, they don't understand it. Now, will you just elaborate a little bit more about the calfskin <laughs> and, and, um, and what we went through? to deal with just getting a good sound. Oh, yeah. yeah. With calfskin heads, that was my beginning with them. Um, uh-huh. And oh, as plastics really started coming in in my neighborhood in the late 50s, 60s. Okay. I, 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 I can't really remember, but you probably... Around, around that time, plastics started coming in. Yeah. But before that, the calfskin, you, you'd have a felt... Try to use a felt strip, a strip of felt, and put that underneath the calf head, then the calf head on top of that, yeah. and you tighten it and try to place it to, so that you can get some of the ring out of it. Okay, okay. The calf's going to use the ring, ring, ring. Um, <laughs> it was hard to get equal tension. Yeah, because the skin wasn't always even. That's right, and uh, and that. So we had that was thing, and both top and the bottom. And I do, I remember, and this is my freshman year in college. I started playing 
uh, out in the city with a guys that are older than me. Okay. I was 18 and these guys were 30, 35. Right, right. So I learned to play, but we would be playing and for dances. But What kind of music did you guys play? Oh, we had, well, you we, it was for dancers, so we okay. played James Brown. Oh, really? We played okay. Charlie Parker. Okay. We played uh, Hard Silver. We played um, Count Basie tunes. We played all kinds of tunes that people could dance to. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, dancing. with you. Yeah. I mean, because... To me, that jazz is dance music. It, you know, it's, that's where it comes out of from that. Beautiful. Um, uh-huh. And I think it's really unfortunate that the musicians now don't get the experience of playing for people live and seeing them dance. Wow, that's I a mean, very profound statement. No, there's something you get that it's the only way you can get. And I. I would just remember, you know, I, I talked to Charlie Pacific. He's the only other drummer that we act, I actually talked about this, but about the power that you have when you're playing and playing for dancing. Yeah. When you saw a girl that you liked the way she moved, you could play and make her dance faster or move on, you know. You had influence on everybody I in the whole completely. room. I know that completely. You know, That's you, my life as well. You know, and playing yeah. dance... So that, that was a sense of power that I experienced. I didn't, I didn't think of it as a sense of power, though. I was just, <laughs> yeah. but, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, Especially but, you're playing with 30-year-old cats. Yeah, it's a sense of power because it wasn't me, but it was coming through me. Okay, okay. All right. All it's right. a sense of power, but it wasn't like I was... <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I influenced it, but it wasn't me. It was always... For me... The drum is a direct connection to the power of the universe. Okay. Um, okay. And so the source power, the creator, whatever you want to call that. I understand. Energy that. I to understand. me, a drum is a direct thing. You touch a drum and it speaks that language and connects you right to that. All right. I got you. I got you. And, All right. All right. And... So so here you are, you're playing in dances, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, you're playing in dances and people are dancing, like, yeah. Yeah, it was cool, it was, you know, I mean, everybody did, the drunk, they depended on, you know, they looked for you to do a thing, they say you do it, all right, and I got coaching sometimes, Yeah, you know, you learn how to do a shuffle, the double shuffle. Yes, I remember, yes. I remember having to play the double shuffle, I'd never heard it before, and I was playing for this guitar player, uh-huh. Riff Ruffin. Out in the country, back in Virginia. And was, okay, go on. In the block. All right, go on, go on. And we're playing. Yeah. He says, double shuffle. Uh-oh. Yeah, right. And we start the tune. Yeah. And I'm just playing the shuffle. Double shuffle, double. And so, I don't know if somebody told me or I figured it out, but it, it ended up that it's the shuffle feeling in both hands. Okay, yeah, yeah. To, them, to, them, to, to me, that's easier than the other one. Because well, because the other one I would have I would be playing the ride uh-huh. and I would be shuffling and the and the bass would be going boom 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 like that uh-huh. but but for me the left would left would be shuffling mm-hmm. but the right I would have to I would have to um, play and I I don't know I have to play the ride which was kind of it was kind of in a sense my introduction to four way coordination. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, because because it, but it was hard though if you play with somebody because the other person like be pushing you and you are pushing them and you're trying to make it clean 
Uh, but go on, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting hyped. You're I'm getting hyped. hyped. That's the life of a drummer. Yeah, I'm getting hyped. I'm getting hyped. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. But um, so I learned to jump, you know. But you that's double right. shuffle. Yeah, yeah. double shuffle, which is that. And this guy liked four on the floor, like really? Donaldson. Oh, okay. Did you like four on the floor, though? I did whatever made the people happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I learned. And then other things I could... I tried to fit the situation. That way you can learn to do different things. Okay, okay. And so right. I didn't like doing the same thing over and over and over. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes total but, sense. Um, so, that, you know, that was my beginning of playing. I was used to playing classical music. And, oh, when I was 10 years old, they let me play at the college concert band. So I was yeah. the youngest member of the college concert band. That's right. My brother played trumpet in the concert band, and the band director's son played trumpet. Wow. And we uh-huh. were the three kids that were from Worcester College. My father played oboe in the band. Really? So that was something me and my brother, and we go to band practice together. That's beautiful, man. And then yeah, now, again, what city is this now? Petersburg, Virginia, Virginia State College. Petersburg, Virginia. It was right. a very exceptional place. That, yeah. That I appreciate now that I did, when I grew up, I just, that was just the way life was. That was yeah. Man, very different. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, myself, myself, I, I felt the same way. And then at a certain point, I, I said I had to leave. Because I don't know, I guess yeah, it just started to started to bug me a little bit. I I just had to leave, man. Like you know, playing the Elks Club, yeah. and you know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah, yeah you know, playing Elks Club. Well, um, part of the exceptional environment I was in, uh-huh. there were people who had been out in the world. Um, our first piano player, she was a theory teacher, uh, composer. Her name was Undine Smithmore. Yes. She was there when I came out, and my mother and that raised me, and she's like lifelong mentor. Yes. But she studied with Nigel Boulanger in Paris back in the early 40s or late 30s. Well, let me ask you a question about that. Let me ask you a question mm-hmm. about that. Why, in your estimation, do people think that the study with Nadia Boulanger is such an exceptional thing, but if I say to them, you know, I studied with Brother Jack McDuff. It's not like this thing. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Is it is it the way that we perceive the way that we perceive the importance of certain instrumentation and certain knowledge in the way we don't see I mean to me, to me, it's the way we don't see and value what actually comes out of blackness. I understand that. Uh, but you get my question. Yeah, I understand that, and there is I, that is a part of the thing, and you can take that. When I said that, you could think of it that way. Okay. But what it means to me, yes, was she was such an exceptional black person that she got an opportunity that black people didn't get to do. Oh, okay then. Okay, that's. I mean, she was sort of bad. She was so bad. That she got to do that. All right, then. That All right, I understand. That but I was just throwing that out there. don't get a chance to do. I get you. I get right? you. I get you. But she had that experience. But she's the one that I could always go to and say, oh, I heard this Max Rose wrote this tune in 5-4. And I yeah. want you to hear that. And she would always come listen to it. I'd play it. And she'd tell me what was happening. It was, she was always 
Afrocentric or what U.S. African centric. She, she understood it. So, yeah, and, and, good, my, good. and my environment was that way. Good, good, good. I, yeah, I mean, but I they like were that. the first. My I grew up on a campus that had the first, second, or third people to get PhDs in their fields from Yale, uh, Cornell, Columbia University. Uh, University of Michigan, Iowa, Iowa State, all over. But they were the first or second to get these degrees, or third. And they weren't allowed to teach anywhere. Wow. So they ended up coming to Virginia State, and they created this community wow. that was um, world conscious. Yes. But in and but um, yeah. U.S. Africans, and I like to, I use U.S. African because I mean the Africans who were enslaved and those who survived and came through another generation. Yeah. Because to me, that's the generation that R&B, gospel, jazz, all of that came from that culture. All right, yeah, I'm with you. Right? So that's U.S. You know, Brazilian, Afro-Brazilian culture is just as valid, but it's different. It is, it is, yes. Haitian, all of it yes. had the African element in it. Yeah. But the environment in which it grew up uh-huh. is its own it's its own culture. And we have one here. And because of the United States culture, yeah. the, we tend to devalue the African culture that interesting. Grew up here. Interesting. Our yes. system is to devalue it. Interesting. Interesting. But yes. in spite of that system, we changed the world. Yeah, and also, you know, I can really, I can really see what you're saying about the value of see because you grew up knowing that value because it was all around you and it was of such a high quality. Yeah. Right. And and, and that's that's very that's a very interesting thing because um, you know I. I grew up in a I grew up in a working class place where, but I still understood the value of uh, of the value of family, mm-hmm. the family of working. You know, you know, because my father gave me the example. He gave me the example, but many people didn't have that example, and I can understand why they didn't have that value. Mm-hmm. And also, the schools, the schools, it was really our schools were sort of insular. Yeah, in terms of what we what we had to what we had to learn and what we um, how how we learned how we learned yeah. because it, because who would have known I mean um, who would have known that I would go to a place and we weren't allowed to go in, in certain bars because we weren't old enough so like if you were eighteen you could still go in bars and play well we had state <laughs> liquor licensing so you got liquor from the state store. I was able to go. I didn't, couldn't drink, but we played for dances where people cabarets. Okay, yeah, where people bring your own liquor. Okay, and you can bring your own food. Uh, All right, uh, okay, like okay, cool. All so, right, then. Yeah, we didn't have bars because they didn't have bars in Virginia at that time. Wow, because it was man. regulated, and you had to go to the state store to buy liquor and. Okay. Take it home, or you can. Yeah, take yeah, I got you. Yeah. Well, we all right then. So well, we had clubs, mm-hmm. and then because we had clubs and all, it was like a whole thing, you know, yeah. with the seal on the bottom and all that taxes. But but um, no, this is really insightful. This is really insightful for me. Being that man, oh, yeah. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, it, it really was a special environment that 
Now let me ask you. Let me bring it up. Let me bring it up to like. Okay, now we bring this up to let's say the people who um, uh, were your age group that you learned how to play this music, and when you made a transition into the music, that's going to be the next section that we're going to go into. Okay. Okay. All right then. So you think about that for a moment. Because then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make a split from the people that taught you to the people that you realized, wow, this person can play. Okay, we bring it up. Here you are. You've 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 gained skill. You've done your thing. Played with a lot of different people. These people that are older than you, they're mentoring you as well as you're learning from them of stuff about life and stuff yeah. about just basically how to be a man and how to put together a group and all this kind of stuff and how to roll, how to be on time, you know, how not to get wasted, yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then who were the people that you knew? How did you make the transition into people your own age that were also ready for where you were coming out of? Well, briefly. Yeah, I'm t- um, the actual transition uh-huh. started, I guess, in Richmond, Virginia, because um, uh-huh. I graduated and I went out and tried to be a band director, teacher, and all that, because yeah. that, that was the direction I was pushed in, even though I... I get it. No, that's you beautiful know, direction. So yeah. I, well, I tried it. But it wasn't for me. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. And I um, taught two years of public school. One first year was in Maryland, Sutter'sville, Maryland. Okay. And then the second one was in King William County, outside of Richmond, Virginia. You were still playing music? Um, or you were a music teacher? I was a music teacher, and Sutter, Maryland was the first and only year... I ever lived in my life where I didn't do a gig. I was just trying to be what I thought I was su- supposed to be. A teacher? I be a teacher in that. Okay. And my daughter was born shortly before I took that gig and that, so she was young and that. So that year is it's the only year in my life that I never played a gig. I just but you played paid the rent. Yeah, I paid the rent. And you put food on the table. Yeah, but I didn't play music. And I get it, though. But it, I get it. I it get put a hiccup in my life and my music. Okay. But for a long time, that I never felt like I recovered until maybe 20 years ago. Thank you for tuning in. In months ahead, you will have the opportunity to hear from many more Lost Generation artists and supporters. The audio-only version is available wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to hear upcoming episodes.